confession you are about to hear is an actual tape recording. All right, read the statement, please. I make this confession of my own free will because it is true. There has not been any force or violence used upon my person to induce me to make these statements. Without promise of immunity or reward or gratuity, I confess. You understand that your statement will be made public through the radio program Confession? I do. And that your name for the purpose of this broadcast will be James V. Matson. You understand? Yes, sir, I understand. Listening to Confession. The case history of the subject referred to as James V. Madsen is a matter of documented record. You will hear the story of his crime experience as told in his own words. All right, continue, please. Well, let's see. You're, uh, Tell your age. Where um, you were born. I'm 29 years old. Where were you born? Uh, I was born in Spokane, Washington. Moved to Los Angeles in 1947 uh, after I got out of the Army. Why did you leave Spokane? No particular reason, I guess. I didn't have any friends there, and I didn't get along so good with my folks. I never was much good at making friends. Know what time it is? It's 8.23. Morning's going fast. Do, uh, uh, did you have a record in Spokane? Nope. When did your crime experience actually begin? Well, I don't know, actually. I guess I was thinking about it ever since I was a kid. Oh? I read everything I could about it, only I didn't just read it, I studied it. What do you mean? Well, I, I figured out how to make a phony set of license plates and a driver's license. Uh, I, I learned how to start any make car without a key, things like that. As a kid, at, I mean, at that time, did you ever think that you'd put that knowledge to use? Mm. No, it was more like a game. I was trying to figure out ways to outsmart the cops. I see. Go on. In Los Angeles, I got a job in the, the radio department of a big uh, hardware and appliance store in Ventura. That's uh, out in the valley. Mm -hmm. I rigged up a radio over my workbench and I kept it tuned to the police shortwave band. I got a kick out of listening to those calls. Jim. Attention. Hold it, that a police call's coming through. 7RD2, 7RD4. Hey, that's around here. Hmm? 211, Coldwater and Ventura. What is it? 211, that's a holdup. 
211 man, light green Ford, 1950 or 51 model, license number not known, turn south on Laurel Terrace, code 3, KMA 367. Laurel Terrace, stupid jerk. They'll have them bottled up in 10 minutes. Should have gone north and turned it back Magnolia to Sepulveda. Hey, Jim, turn that thing down. I want to talk to you. Huh? Turn it down. What do you want, Ed? What do you always listen to that stuff for? Hello. He'd have gone north instead of south. He could have got away easy. <laughs> When are you going to quit playing cops and robbers with that thing? I'd have gone out to Sepulveda. I'd have got lost in no time. You know, one of these days, those police calls will get you fired. And the boss don't like it. So what? Getting tired of this joint anyway. It's like being in the army, being pushed around all day for what? For peanuts. Well, anyhow, uh, here's what I came to tell you. Uh, the wife wants you and Ellen to come over tonight. Play cards or something like that. Well, it's a burn-up when a stupid jerk like that boss of ours can fire me. And what about tonight? Tonight? Mm. Sure, we'll come. <clears throat> I don't know if this is important or not, but in my whole life, I only met two people I could call my friends. Name? Uh, one of them was Ed Manning, the guy I worked with at the shop. And the other one was Ellen Cummings, a girl I thought I was going to marry. Uh-huh. One night... I was taking her home from the movie. What do you want to tell me, Ellen? My folks want me to stop seeing you. I knew they would sooner or later. Any special reason, or is it just me? Oh, a lot of reasons, but... If I tell you, will you... You'll be hurt. I'm used to that. Go on. Well... They think you've got no feelings about anything. Like a machine or something. That you don't really like anybody or trust anybody. Anything else? That you think you're better than everybody else. Keep going. I'm learning things. We've been going together nearly a year. In two weeks, it'll be a year. You've said you love me. Yet sometimes I feel like we're strangers. Right now, I feel like we're strangers. Ah, you're talking for yourself, not your folks. I can't understand that kind of love, Jim. It's so cold and, well, impersonal. I've got some things to prove before I can marry you. Prove what? I can make a lot of money, for one thing. I think there's more to it than money. If you've got a lot of money, you're better than people who haven't got as much. Is that what you're trying to prove? That you're better than other people? I've either got to be better or worse. That doesn't sound right to me. You better not come in the house tonight. I better go now. I don't think you really want me, Jim. In less than a year, we'll be married. Tell that to your old man. Good night, Jim. That's when I made up my mind that I was going to start doing some of the things I'd been thinking about. Like, like Ellen said, it was more than money. It, it was the way I felt about people, um, Ellen's mother and father, uh, everybody. I see. It, it was... Uh, I, I can't explain that. Uh, well, that's... Uh, you go on. The next night, I went down to this bar in Pico where I used to hang around... Uh, one of the guys I knew who came in there, 
His name was uh, Bill Swanson. Once, when he'd been a little drunk, he told me he was one of the top burglary men on the coast. I see. He told me he could tell me where to buy anything from uh, an anti-aircraft gun to a ton of dynamite. When I came in, he was sitting in one of the back booths, and I sat down across from him. Hi, Jim. Hey, how do they look? How's what look? My fingernail. I like to have them just so. Hey, what's on your mind? I want to buy a gun. Know where I can get one? Sure. You got one to sell? Never touch them. Where? Tijuana. Go down to Tijuana. You can find a cabbie there who'll get you one for 40, 50 bucks. Thanks. What have you got cooking? Plenty. If it's easy and the percentage is right, think of me too, huh? We might work something out. What are you looking at me for? I was just thinking I'd hate to be on the wrong end of a gun you were holding. Why? You look as if you'd enjoy using it. <laughs> you know, I haven't seen you crack a smile since I've known you. When I find something to laugh about, I'll let you know. Real happy character, aren't you? Well, I've got to go now. How do my nails look now? Pretty nice, huh? They're seeing you. I went to Tijuana and bought two guns. An old Army 45 and a 38. I hid them under the seat cushions. And the custom men at the border just waved me through. I was all set to go now. I kept on working at the radio shop, but in my spare time, I fixed two sets of phony plates and a, a driver's license under the name of Harold Peters. Was that an actual name? No, I made it up. Then I went out on my first job. I stole a car on West 7th near Weston, and I drove south on Weston. I stopped and they changed the plates. I checked the 38. It was loaded, ready to go. I remember it made me feel good. I see. I drove down Weston near Rosecrans and I stopped near a liquor store and got out. Sorry, I was just getting ready to close. I won't keep you a minute. What'll it be? This. Give me your money. All of it. All right. Hurry it up. For heaven's sake, lower that gun, will you? Give me the bills out of your cash register. Got a wife and kids? Yeah. If you want to see them again, move a little faster. Take it easy. I'm giving it to you. Here. This isn't enough. You got more money than this. On the level, business has been lousy. Not that lousy. I'll count to three. One. Hold it, mister. I got a few bucks in my pocket I just remembered. It's lucky you remember. Take it. Thanks. You know how close you came, don't you? I... I forgot about that money in my pocket. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs>
listening to confession. Before continuing with the documented record of the subject referred to as James V. Madsen, the National Broadcasting Company is honored to present Mr. Richard A. McGee, Director of Corrections, Department of Corrections, State of California. Mr. McGee. To students of criminal psychology, the design revealing itself tonight is a familiar one. It is the unfortunate story of an individual who considers himself outside the pale of society. Due to some basic sense of inadequacy, he feels a subconscious need to revenge himself on all mankind. Law and authority are his natural enemies. He thinks of himself as a superman. He plans the super crime, not realizing that his criminal acts are merely surface manifestations of his own sick personality. This type of criminal is extremely dangerous. He is your cold, calculating killer. Some psychiatrists have observed that what he is really seeking is his own self-destruction, and inevitably, that is what he will achieve. Unhappily, the only protection society has against such a criminal is apprehension early in his crime career. Thank you, Mr. McGee. Now, to continue with confession and the documented record of the subject referred to as James V. Madsen. All right, go ahead, please. What time is it now? 8.42 a.m. Getting late. Let's see, where was I? You uh, just held up a liquor store. Yeah. I felt good about the way I handled the first job. Made me feel, uh, well, uh, superior. Mm -hmm. Another thing that gave me a kick was a scared look in the man's eyes when he saw I meant business about the gun. I took close to $200 from that scared rabbit. I see. Then I ditched the hot car near Adams in Vermont. And I went home. I don't know when I felt better about anything. Next day, I was sitting outside in back of the radio shop eating my lunch. Ed was there, too. Yesterday, she's going steady with some guy. Good for Ellen. <laughs> you sure didn't lose much time getting over that romance? I guess I always knew it wouldn't work out. What are you reading that's so interesting? <laughs> Look, it's the hold up on Weston. Well, what are you laughing at? Listen to what the guy said. The minute I saw the gun in his hand, I knew he was a killer. For a long time, I'm going to feel lucky to be alive. No, I don't say anything funny about that. Oh, but the guy who did it does. He walked out with nearly $200. So what? So he goes on a binge and blows it all. Not if he's smart. You know what I'd do if I was him? What? I'd keep at it till I had a big enough stake to go into a legitimate business. And I'd quit the racket and become a Mr. Somebody. Man, these thugs don't care about getting into business. If it was me, I'd plan to get into some business. <laughs> if it was you, get off that cloud. In the next month, I pulled five jobs. I had $1,700. Not bad. Another five, six months, I'd be ready to get into some kind of business. Open a radio shop or a hardware store, maybe. In the meantime, I was getting a kick out of what I was doing. Every time I went into a place to knock it over, it was the same thing. I, 
I'd take my gun out. I didn't have to say much. They, they knew I meant business. How long did you uh, go on working at the radio shop? Oh, about another month, I guess. Then I quit my job. I told that I was leaving town. Where were you going? Uh, Hollywood. I moved in and, uh, and rented a place on Wilcox. Well, things were going a little too slow to suit me, so I made a deal with Bill Swanson, the, the guy I told you about. Oh, yeah. I had an idea that might pay off better than a stick-up. We drove to downtown L.A. It was after midnight. First time I knocked over a hardware wholesale. You just get us inside. You won't be sorry. We got with a truckload of precision tools or power tools, and we got four, maybe $5,000 worth of stuff. I'll get you inside any place that has a door. Why do you think I brought you along? Company? We can drive the truck right into the building. Load up inside. What are we waiting for? Coast is clear. Not yet. Six RD patrols this area. I want to know where it is first. You've sure got this thing down to a science. That's what it is, isn't it? Maybe to you, not to me. I still get stage fright. Keep quiet for a while so I can get these calls. Six RD 2, 7 from Los Angeles. Hit and run, 512, code 3. 6RD 2, 7 from Los Angeles. It's a break traffic call. Keep him busy about an hour, maybe more. We better leave the truck here till I get the door open. My gun's in the glove compartment. Give it to me. You don't need a gun on a job like this. If they got you, they got you. Give me that gun. Here. This is the first and last time I'm working with you. Why? I thought we'd do pretty good together. My brains and your brawn. Smart guy, sarcastic, like you're someone special. You don't kid me. I know what you are. Maybe you'll tell me. I seen it just now when I handed you the gun. What am I, Bill? You're a killer. You're not the first one who said that. I'm being talked into it. Come on. Get going. Okay. I don't like working with anyone who carries a gun. It's stupid. Think you can handle this door? Don't touch it. Maybe wired. Burglar alarm. I better put a light on it. That's enough. Put it out. Is it wired? No. No, but it's going to be tough to open. Give me that small crowbar. Someone's coming up the alley. You're imagining things. Open up. No, no, you're crazy. Stop! 
I killed the watchman. That meant I had to kill Bill, too. Didn't that bother him? No. Didn't bother me at all. Only thing that worried me was Bill. I knew if the cops ever got Bill, he'd talk right away. He uh, had a record a mile long. Mm. They might have found his fingerprints on his tools or something, so I killed him. And uh, later, I drove to Southgate. It was about 3.30 in the morning. I broke into a garage. They rode the pickup truck inside and loaded with everything I could lay my hands on. Then I got out of town. Where to? Um, I got as far as Pomona. Mm -hmm. It was around 8 o'clock when I got there. Oh, I called on some service stations trying to peddle the stuff. Did you? Well, I finally found a guy who said he'd buy it. You got everything you say you have? I'll give you 50 bucks for it. 75 or it's no deal. Okay, 75. Where do I pick the stuff up? Know where Pearson cut off is? About five miles north of town? Sure. All right. Eight o'clock tonight. Okay. It's uh, hot goods, isn't it? Are you buying it or not? Said I was. But I got a right to know. I'll know how to handle it if it is. No questions or it's no deal. All right. I'll be there at eight. What kind of car will you be driving? 50 Buick, two-tone blue. You can't miss it. Blink your lights twice, sir. I'll know it's you. Good idea. Eight o'clock in the Pearson cutoff. I ran the truck off the road into a little gully so it couldn't be seen from the road. Mm -hmm. And then at eight o'clock that night, a two-tone Buick turned up the cutoff. The lights blinked, but I didn't show myself. And then the car stopped, and instead of the guy I talked to, two cops came out and started looking around. What happened? When they started coming towards where I was hiding, I opened up on them, and they started firing back. One of them hit me in the shoulder, and I emptied my gun on them and started running. I was bleeding pretty bad. What'd you do? I ripped part of my shirt and uh, made myself a bandage. And I stopped the truck, and I told a guy I'd been hurt in an auto accident. Mm. He gave me a lift right into L.A. Oh, I, I didn't go home, in case they'd be waiting there for me. I see. Then I thought of the one person in the world who'd do me a favor. Oh. Ed Manning. I took a cab to his house, and then I waited outside for him till he came out to go to work. Jim, what's the matter? Oh, I need some sleep. What happened to your shoulder? Car accident, Ed. I think you could put me up for a few hours. Think your wife would mind? Well, she's away visiting her folks in Fresno. What's it all about, Jim? Nothing. It's simple. I'm broke and tired. Come on in. I've never seen you look like this. You look half dead. I am half dead. can bunk in there in the bedroom. Thanks, Ed. You sure you hadn't better see a doctor? I'm sure. Okay. I'd better be going. I remember before I fell asleep, I wished I had a gun with me. I had uh, one of those spring knives. Mm. Uh, another thing I remember thinking that 
Ed was the only guy in the world I could uh, come to in a spot like this. Uh, I, I don't know how long I slept, but uh, when I got up, it was night, and Ed was standing over me, shaking me. Jim, Jim, get up. You got to get out of here. What's happened? This afternoon, the cops were at the shop asking about you. Did they talk to you? They asked me if I knew where you were. What'd you tell them? I said I didn't know. You shouldn't have come home. They might have followed you. Well, that's why I didn't come home straight from work. That's why I waited until after dark. They might have followed you anyways. What have you done, Jim? They wouldn't tell me. I killed two or three guys. You what? You're crazy or something? What's that? Quick, take a look. It's the police. You brought him here, Ed. I thought you were my friend. I ought to kill you, too. There must be 15 cops out there. You're kidding me about killing, aren't you? Mason, come on out of there. See how I'm kidding you? I'd have come to the door if I wasn't a killer. Jim, you're crazy. Ed, you got a gun? I'll outsmart him yet. Manny, you in there? Don't answer it. They'll start shooting, Jim. They'll kill both of us. Too bad. You brought him here, my friend. Well, I didn't know, honest. I'm getting out of here. No, you're not. You don't get out this door till you get by me. Five seconds and we start shooting. First, Ellen. Then you. One. Put that knife down. I'm your friend. Two. Like the rest of them. I mean it, Jim. Three. You're not... Lying it? No, no, Jim. I don't think you're lying. I'm not! Four. Matson. Hold it. We're coming out. Hold it. We're coming out. just heard an actual confession. This case history of the subject referred to as James V. Madsen is a matter of documented record. To protect the legal rights of the subject, names and places were changed or deleted. Technical advice for confession comes from the Office of the Director of Corrections, Department of Corrections, State of California. In a moment, you will again hear James V. Madsen. Subject tried on the charge of murder, first degree, three counts. Place of trial, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. Jury's findings. After psychiatric examination, the subject was found sane and guilty as charged. Death sentence to be executed by the warden of California State Prison, San Quentin. Well, that's it. It's all over. I don't know what lesson can be learned from my story, unless it's that I never got to spend a dollar of the money I got. And even if I had, it wouldn't have made much difference. I guess it's no use saying I'm sorry for what I did. I killed them, and I didn't know them. They didn't know me. What time is it? 
29 minutes. Time to smoke some cigarettes anyway. This has been Confession, transcribed statements of actual crimes. These true tragedies are brought to you each week as an NBC Radio Network production in an effort to stem the nation's forward march of crime. Credit for this broadcast goes to our cast. Paul Fries, Don Diamond, Jack Carroll, Virginia Christine, Jan Arvin, Herb Butterfield, Jonathan Hole. Script, Lou Rusoff. Music, Michael Samogi. Script supervision, Warren Lewis. Direction, Homer Canfield. John Wall speaking. Confession, a Canfield Lewis creation, came to you from California. <laughs>